listening to the Talking Through Hoops podcast with Robert Schlatter and Nick Parabolos. Your podcast for all the up-to-date coverage on the NBA playoffs. Follow us on our social media at Talking Through Hoops to keep up with all the postseason news. Now, here's Rob and Nick. Okay, welcome back to another episode of the Talking True Hoops podcast, episode number 31 here with Robert Schleider and Nick Paravalos. We are heading right into the conference finals now, Nick. It was quick work of the second round matchups between all the teams as what you would call a gentleman's sweep for three of the three of the four. The, uh, the Raptors got swept by the, the Cavs in four, but everyone else took five games. So... What are we thinking for the conference finals? We got the Rockets and the Warriors. This was what a lot of people thought before was going to happen. And we got the Cavs and, for the most part, the surprising Celtics. How, how are you liking the look of these conference finals? Well, we we had a feeling that the Rockets and the Warriors, the two giants, were going to collide in the conference finals. This is what we've been waiting for all year. Um, on the other side, in the beginning of the year, we thought that the Cavs and the Celtics were going to go at it. But then the Celtics had a couple injuries and derailed what people thought was a decent season. But, you know, right there, they're right there versus the Cavs. They have a chance, and, you know, anything's possible. Anything's possible! But we got a couple interesting series coming up, and I look forward to them. Yeah, absolutely. I. It's really disappointing just as, you know, an overall NBA fan to see that we could have had Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward going up against this Cavs team. Because let me tell you, the way that they played in those first two games, especially against the Sixers and how they just made – the Sixers came in, obviously, after that Miami series looking what a lot of people believe that could eventually go to the NBA Finals, and they just stopped them right in their tracks. And it's really disappointing to think that with how much depth they have on this team this year, and then if you plugged in Kyrie Irving and if you plugged in Gordon Hayward – that how good they truly will be. And even looking back at the at the Sixers and, you know, they're early in their development, I don't know, man. The, the Celtics just look like a team, especially when they get these two the two superstars back. They're going to be a tough team to beat in the future, and especially this is something that LeBron's going to have to take note of. But it also is something to think about, you know, maybe the Celtics won't have as much depth as they will because of maybe Terry Rozier will eventually move on and as a restricted free agent because he's been playing well. Someone may throw a lot of money at him. Marcus Smart. But just right now, in the now, you're looking at how good and how deep this team is. And you can't, I can't even imagine how, what they would be with Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward. Yeah, I mean, Celtics, they, they definitely have a bright future with Tatum and Brown. Those guys could fall. Um, Baines has stepped up tremendously. Morris, he's been pretty good in the playoffs. What'd you say? I didn't say anything. Oh, okay. But yeah, they, the the Celtics are the Celtics are good. I mean, I I think Rob, as I watched the game last night, I got to put Al Horford in, into my top like top five hated in the NBA. I just dislike the guy. But hey, you gotta this guy. I was never a big Al Horford fan, and I thought he kind of underperformed so far in the and with Boston. But he made his he this series with the Sixers. And the series before, I say that he has definitely made his contract because he shut down for the most. You know, with how big yeah. Joel Embiid was coming in, he didn't. I don't want to say he completely locked him up because Joel had a couple twenty point games and a couple big rebounding games, like close to 
you know, 17 rebounds or something like that. But Al Horford, especially in game three, the first game at home and game four, I believe, but more more so game three, Al Horford played unbelievable defense on Joel Embiid. And Joel, no, like, I, and like we said, I think it was the podcast before, maybe previous, I, I think you made the point that Joel was being lazy on defense and just allowing Al Horford to do whatever he wants on the outside. And Joel wasn't yeah. really taking him completely serious. And what Al Horford did was just, okay, you're going to sag off me. You're going to kind of, for the most part, disrespect my game by not thinking I could go toe-to-toe with you, and he took advantage of it. That's what happened, and obviously I think he got the better better of uh, Joel Embiid in this series, and that's why the Celtics are moving on. And for Cleveland, I, I mean, obviously Celtics are coming in as the underdogs, and LeBron is clearly just at his – you know, it's his 15th year, but, you know, people are saying this is at his peak and he's still top performer in the league, clearly the best player. Do we think that the Celtics have a chance at, you know, how they're coming in, that they can yeah, take I down LeBron? So. Yeah, I, th- I think so, too. I just um, – it's going to be really t- – I think they're collectively the best overall team with with playing each other, and they're just – Brad Stevens has them playing so cohesive and – just as together as a team, they're the mo- most complete. And then, obviously, they're not as talented as the other guys because they don't have LeBron James. Or if you're looking at the West, they're not like James Harden and Chris Paul and the Big Four in Golden State. But they're just an overall great team, and Brad Stevens has them playing well. And, you know, for how shaky the Cavs yeah. have has been, do we think that LeBron is going to be enough to take them and just carry the team over this good collective Celtics team? I don't know. I think this game could possibly go I maybe six I don't want to like say I don't want to say oh it's just gonna go five games and the Celtics will steal one at home because they've won every game that they've played at home with home court so you gotta see that and be like uh, I don't know if that's gonna change yeah well the Cavs you know they've been top of the East for so long right now with LeBron James well LeBron James been top of the East regardless of what team he's on but um, the Celtics, they play good basketball at home. And the thing that I would probably take out of the last series is that the Sixers really, they had two games that they could have stole in Boston, but they choked at the end. And it's just like they, they did a couple of, like, you know, stupid turnovers that, that decided the game at the end. Now, will Cleveland, the team that's had the playoff experience, do something like that? You know, we'll wait and see. But I think Cleveland will either – win it in four or five or it could go six or seven so it, it's like i don't know what we're going to get out of the series yet we gotta we gotta wait and see i'm i'm leaning more towards thinking that the celtics are going to continue to because i just think they're so good as a team i can't I, they they've just shown how brad stevens has just shown how he's got them playing well together that i can't just write off them not going to take care of business at home because they've been playing games really tough, close, and they've been able to close them out. And I think even though the other side has LeBron James, I think that this team, the rest of the players on the Celtics are better than the rest of the players on the Cavs. So that's just kind of what I have. Kind of what I have for that. And I think that it could go six or seven. If it comes down to, you know, game six or seven, that's when the stars come out, and that's when I think LeBron would be able to take care of business. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go out and say that the cap pre pre uh, pre, pre it starts on Sunday, so pre 
pre-series, I'm going to say that the Cavs are going to win in seven games. Just because I just got that feeling that it's going to go 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 long. It's going to go go the distance because LeBron's had some trouble. He we know his history with Boston, especially. So I think they'll give him a good run for his money. Let's uh, move out west to. Wait up, wait up, Rob. I gotta give my predictions. Oh, oh, oh. Okay. Uh, my bad, my bad. LeBron is uh, LeBron is two and four versus the Boston in the playoffs and series, and I think he'll go to um, he'll win another one. Well, the Celtics are two and four against LeBron. Excuse me. I think LeBron will win another one this series. I get, give me um, give me Cleveland in six at home in in Quicken Loans Arena. They will close it out. I like it. I like it. So let's move out west yeah. to Rockets Warriors. This is what a lot of people thought was going to end up happening. It did happen. The Chris Paul finally gets that monkey off his back, gets that uh gets to that conference finals finally in his career, first one. It's not like he blew a three one lead again. Utah Utah Yeah, Utah just uh Donovan Mitchell. Donovan Mitchell, yeah, no Doc Rivers. Donovan Mitchell was not enough to take down the Rockets. Chris Paul, finally, like I said before, I don't remember exactly the episode, but when I was talking about Chris Paul, he never gave you that like big game, that big closeout game to just stop any any breathing room for the other team to come back. And he had 41 points in the last game against the Utah Jazz. And they closed it out, and now they're moving on to, to face the Warriors. Now, I think the Warriors look ridiculous. They look unbeatable. But, but Rob, they, they were playing. I would say Utah's a lot better than the Pelicans. True. Because, you know, the, especially when you're playing Drew Holiday at the three, and he's like 6'5", I don't, I, don't I don't think that's a, um, you know, a matchup Durant versus him. That's not fair. Yeah, but... You got to say they they took care the Warriors took care of business. They did. They did take care of business. And the Rocket, the biggest concern with the Rockets is are they going to be able to just outshoot the Warriors because they can't play defense. If you look at them, they're not a good overall defensive team. They got PJ Tucker, your boy, and yep. then that's pretty much it. Well, Clint Capella down low plays good against well, the Bigs, but they the Warriors, we know that they stretch it out to the outside. And I think that Draymond may, because they don't really play too much inside. They let the, the they start outside and then they work their way in. I think that Draymond, if he's going to match up with Capella, may expose what Clint has been doing so far in the postseason. Because Draymond has that team running extremely well, and even I, against the Pelicans. Rob, I di- I disagree. I think I think Capella is probably the biggest difference maker in the Rockets series versus I think the other teams because. I see that he had the ability to, on the switch, you know, I think defend Mitchell going to the rim or these other other quicker guards that went to the rim because he would, he would get those blocks off of that. So I think that might be a difference maker with Steph Curry and Klay Thompson going to the rim, in my opinion. Okay, I, I, I can see that. I just believe there's, like, Donovan Mitchell was that one guy, and they were missing Ricky Rubio in that series, so I don't know. Maybe Ricky would have extended it a game. But you're also dealing with four of these guys now. So I think it's going to be much. I think I just have the feeling they're going to expose him a bit. And the, just the overall defense of the Rockets, the other perimeter guys, is Trevor Ariza going to be able to ha- uh, hold his own against a guy like Clay Thompson? Uh, is P.J. Tucker going to continue to play well? W- w- that The big star matchups were probably – 
I'd probably say it's probably going to be James Harden matching up against maybe Clay Thompson and then Steph yeah, against James Chris Paul. Clay. So, yep, there's, it's just the deal with the Warriors, man. They're just so talented overall, and their defense is just ridiculously good. So I just see it very tough for the Rock. But I do, I, I do definitely see your point. Capella has shown to be more he's a decent perimeter defender. He's not terrible at for the center. Yeah, he's definitely not a scrub. And I think that he's kind of become he's expanded his game a little bit more to allow himself to guard these smaller players like a Donovan Mitchell. So that is a good point. I can see him being able to hold his own on the switches and the pick and rolls that the Warriors like to run. And I mean and then the huge I think that the huge X factor here will be Draymond Green, even though I'm not a big fan of him. Not a lot of people in the you know, fans of like yeah, you don't like him a lot, but he's just a, the the Rockets don't have a guy like that. That I, even though I'm not a huge fan, he he just you watch him in the Pelican series and him getting into it with Rondo and how he just gathers the troops like that. And that was something that I think that the the Philadelphia 76ers were missing. They were missing that kind of gritty kind of. Um, guy with that huge ego that helps the team, that helps them get over the hump against those, because Boston was a gritty team. I think that was something they're missing, and that's what that's well, what the Warriors have. And Draymond has just shown to I, – I think it's just too much firepower for the Rockets to handle, and it's going to be tough. Yeah, well, I know you're a Rockets hater. Please, please tell me why you always leave. I, I happen to think the Rockets have a very good chance of winning this series. Um, they do have home home court advantage. Which we'll see how that works difference. out. I think it plays a difference, especially in a series like this. The Warriors are very good at home. They are they've won their last, I think, fifteen or sixteen at home in a playoff series. So that's something to look at. But the Rockets, in my opinion, I've said all year, Cleveland didn't need that much to add in the beginning. They just needed a PJ Tucker. Someone to defend Durant. So if he could slow down Durant and limit him to at least like lower twenties I think that the Rockets could possibly win this series. I think they are underdogs, even though they're the number one seed, because the Warriors have been on top for so long. But, you know, I, I think if James Harden, like we saw it in Game 5, James Harden, he's been a one-man show in the last couple of years. And when he didn't have it going in Game 5 versus the Jazz, Chris Paul stepped up. So I think that'll be that'll definitely be a difference maker. I don't think they'll put Steph Curry guarding. Um, they'll probably put, I think, Durant on Harden and Clay Thompson on Paul, um, and Curry probably guarding P.J. Tucker in the corner because he's he's not a good defender, and uh, I think that's how it'll play out. But I will definitely look forward to seeing this battle on Monday night. I think that the Rockets will win these series in in seven. Wow! So the home yeah, court advantage I, I like is gonna Houston. the home court advantage is gonna be a big deal for Houston, is what you're saying? Well, I, well, I think that. The I think the Warriors will win Game Two, and I think that the Rockets will steal Game Four. Okay, something like that. It'll okay. be it's something like that. Yeah, because they're due to lose at home. Okay, uh, I'm gonna go with Warriors in six. I'm gonna say that the death lineup of the Big Four and Andre Iguodala that's been getting the big uh, the five. I no, I said uh, Warriors in six. Yeah, but that's what their their uh, lineup is. Yeah, the death lineup. They call them the Hamptons Five. The Hampton Five. Oh yeah, because they uh, yes. they many. That's what they've been. I, I've heard the death lineup, but that's oh, a, I heard Hampton Five. The Hampton Five. So I'll take. I I just think that the Hampton Five is going to be too big, 
of a struggle to for for the Rockets, especially with their so-so defense, because I think that they've been able to kind of um, rely on their their shooting and their offensive firepower in order to kind of make up for that def- lack of defense that they they do have, and I think that guys like Capella and P.J. Tucker are not going to be enough to handle the Warriors' uh, big offensive firepower. And I, I just I think the Warriors are going to win in six, and I think they're going to be headed back to their, what is it now, their fourth straight NBA Finals. So I think it's I think, yeah. it's, I think it's going to be too much for too much for Houston. I think the we'll have a a Warriors Cleveland NBA Finals once again, as a lot of people predicted. But who knows? Maybe it'll be a curveball, and the Rockets and Celtics will both get into the to the NBA Finals, and we'll have something different. Oh yeah, no, you know what? No, yeah. But I'm just looking at it from my opinion. I'm thinking it's going to be Warriors Cavs. Okay. Yeah. Well. well. Fourth straight year, we'll see. Yes. I'll be rooting for the Rockets. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. So we are going to move on to NBA, uh, the free throw segment. We'll start with, oh, this is going to be tough for the Raptors fans. Started from the bottom, now we're here. Dwayne Casey out here after the, we'll say, the very disappointing series between the Raptors and Cavaliers because a lot of people believe that the the Toronto Raptors would finally get over the hump with this big, big time uh, regular season team that win that won uh, 59 games that had the best record in Toronto Raptors history. They improved their wins every single year. Thought they would be able to go up against the King and take him down. Obviously, that did not end up happening. Dwayne Casey though wins the Michael H. Goldberg NBCA Coach of the Year award for top coach voted by his peers. Nick, what is wow. your reaction to that? Wow. You could just put it up in this trophy case and enjoy. You probably will get a job with ESPN as a broadcaster because he's going to get fired. And to be completely honest, he deserved to get fired after last year. You can't keep making it. to the. I don't care how good of a coach you are. You can't keep making it to the playoffs and not getting over the hump. You know, regardless if they want to keep joining Casey, I think it's time to blow things up in Toronto, especially when they got swept, clean sweep versus Cleveland, I think Toronto needs to trade Kyle, they need to trade DeMar, and they got to just get picks and assets because they suck. That's the bottom line, in my opinion. Um, so I'm going to go, I my initial reaction too was, Jesus, you got to blow this up. This cannot yeah. keep happening. But I'm going to go with like a little blow up, like a little explosion on the 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 uh, Toronto Raptors roster. I'm going to say the guy they need to get rid of because I just don't see him continuing here is Kyle Lowry. He's 31 right now. He's a bump. He's a bump. He's 31. I I like DeMar DeRozan. I think that they can work it out with DeMar, and I think they could keep keep him on the roster. But guys that I think that they need to definitely get rid of, Sergi Baca, Kyle Lowry, Jonas Valanciunas. Jonas Valanciunas is young. He's 25. But he's been on that roster for what seems like forever. They need to get rid of him. I think Kyle Lowry, he's on. He's getting older. He averaged 17.8 points for the series. But you expected him to, him and DeMar, to take over more and be more assertive offensive options and stop Cleveland. They they should have won game one because they were at one point they were up like 12, it seemed yep. like. But 
Kyle Lowry, I think, is an asset because DeMar is younger and he's overall just a better player than Kyle Lowry. I think you have to move on from Kyle. There's definitely going to be teams out there that kind of want to pick up a – yeah, he's a veteran point guard, so you want to pick up a veteran kind of all-star-ish. I don't know if he'll make the all-star team again if he stays with Toronto probably because they exceed expectations in the regular season, so that's probably what's going to happen. But if he goes to another team, I can see them – giving a lot back maybe a team like um in the eastern conference that could use or like a, a one of the I back end western a back end western spurs. conference team yeah I, he could end up because the spurs are looking for like a point guard but do the spurs really have enough for toronto to in terms of like their their draft picks or anything because you know san antonio is cool. usually in the 20s and do they really have enough to give up to toronto that would be enticing to let kyle lowry go oh, though so I don't know. So yeah, that yeah, do. that's just what I'm thinking there. Sergi Baca, just he's 28. Dog. He I just I look at him and I'm just like this guy is get him back to Oklahoma City because or his Oklahoma City days because this guy is just done. And Valanciunas has just been there so long that I think you can get a lot for him because he's a big man still young at the age of 25, and I think that you can get a good amount in return and then keep guys. On the roster, like DeMar DeRozan, Van Vliet showed that he's a very good uh, young player. Maybe move him into the point guard spot without Kyle Lowry there because he showed that he could be a very good uh, point guard and just overall player in the league and maybe give him a uh, the, the bigger the bigger role on the team. And then you guys you got guys like Ananobi, who was a really good rookie for Toronto, then Siakam. So I think that if you just build with the younger guys on the back end of your roster and then move out the older guys like Kyle Lowry and Jonas Valanciunas and Serge Ibaka, maybe you'll see a little something else, a little little bit more success and keep a keep the star that is DeMar DeRozan on this roster because it's it's just not working with Kyle Lowry and DeMar DeRozan. And I think Dwayne Casey, even though he is a really good coach, it's like, dude, You've been there forever. You probably maybe he'll end up winning Coach of the Year, even though I think Brad Stevens should win it at this point. It's like, dude, it hasn't been working for you guys, and you just like you got to move on. Toronto, yeah. I, I mean, I could see where you're coming from. I think they just they need help. They, it's just not it's not working out for them right now. They got to make some moves, possibly acquire somebody. I mean, I don't know how much cash space they got. Probably not a lot because they gave Kyle Lowry a lot. And and DeMar's getting his money. DeMar got Baca a huge too. contract. Yeah. Oh, my God. So, they, paid, they paid Sergi Baca. Jeez, man. Yeah. So, I, I don't know how much money they got in free agency. So, it's not looking like they're going to sign someone. Um, but, yeah, blow that up in the in Toronto. In the six. The six is In LeBronto. LeBronto. Exactly. Okay. I, th- I saw another one that um, – Oh, uh, I think it was the and one of the, I don't know if it was the ESPN broadcaster or no, it was one of the TNT broadcasts. I think it was Ian Eagle. He goes, uh, "There goes LeBrontosaurus," and that was <laughs> it was yeah, just it's it, it got really bad real quick for Toronto. They were all happy, and then uh, their expectations got got shot down real quick. So some yep. really in, more interesting coaching news. Stan Van Gundy, y'all on the ball. I'm Stan Van Gundy. Got fired by the, well, they parted ways by what the reports were, with the Detroit Pistons. So he was also the coach and worked in the as like the general man. I don't know if he was labeled the general manager, but I think the president of basketball operations. So he kind of filled out the roster. He and the the, yeah. yeah, so he's out. It, it just wasn't working there. I don't think that. You know, him and Drummond were kind of digging each other. I know he had a shaky uh, relationship with 
Reggie Jackson, and I know that the 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 higher ups on the team were they looked like they you know were kind of big fans of Reggie Jackson, and they kind of clashed him and Van Gundy. So, like, I think it was a good move for them to part ways, and now there are reports that maybe they'll look after Chauncey Billups. Obviously, we know Mr. Big Shot. Mr. Big Shot was obviously the 2004 NBA Finals MVP, NBA Finals champion in uh, 2004 with them. So I think, uh, and he interviewed, I think it was, was it last year or a year before for like the general manager job for the Cavs? So he's kind of been looking for for some work in the NBA. So maybe it could work out to bring in the uh, the former Detroit Piston and uh, yeah, have him I work mean, in there. I love. I would love that pick. I, I love Mr. Chauncey Phillips. I think he should definitely get the old crew back together on his coaching staff. I'd like to see uh, Sheed on the bench. Oh, yeah. ball, don't lie. Ben Wallace. And, uh, give me, give me some. Yeah, give me Ben Wallace. Give me Rip Hamilton on there too. I don't. I. I want to see all of it. I want to see like, Dice. I don't care. Prince. Give me all of that. And uh, I, I'd love to see it. Uh, they, I mean, the Pistons. They. They're a team that I don't know how. How I feel about them going forward. They got Drummond, Griffin, Jackson. But you know, do they have enough? Probably, probably not. They need another. I mean, they didn't make the playoffs, and they'll probably if they could hit on a lottery pick like um, a Bridges, meaning one of the Bridges brothers—not brothers, but one of the Bridges—they'll. Uh, I think they could, you know, propel themselves into the playoffs next year if they stay healthy and continue, uh, you know, progression. But other than that, you know, Sam Van Gundy. I guess it didn't work out for him in uh, Detroit. Never did. But that's basically it. Yeah, I, it just uh, didn't work out with Van Gundy, and they parted ways. So we'll, we'll have to see in the coming weeks, maybe in the off season, more into the summer, if they when they'll make a move for a general manager or coach or president, whatever they decide to do with the rest of that team. We'll have to see. Donovan Mitchell had a injury at the end of the uh, the Rockets uh, Jazz game. He limped off the court with a left knee injury, but it's not believed to be too serious. Obviously, he's going to have a long off season, being that they're they're uh, they lost in the playoffs, and he's uh, going to have the summer to recover. So, it shouldn't be too big of a deal. This story is really funny from the Knicks' yep. new head coach, David Fisdale. So, him and Marcus Gasol at the beginning of last year had a bit of a bit of a beef, we'll say. So, I believe it was Fisdale went around the room and tried to, you know, hold every player accountable, said, what are we going to do together? What are you going to do to help us get to the ultimate goal, which is an NBA championship? And he went around each player, asked them what they're going to do, and then he got around to the star player for the Memphis Grizzlies being Marcus Saul. And I'll read the exact quote if I can find it. <clears throat> basically, basically, Marcus Saul said, we got to get a better leader and kind of throwing a jab at David Fisdale saying, you know, you're not the kind of leader. So then Fisdale looks at him and he says, I get it. You want Greg Popovich. Guess what? I want LeBron James. Now, at first, I was not the biggest, you know, rah-rah fan of this David Fisdale move for the Knicks as a Knicks fan. But I'm liking this attitude coming from David Fisdale. Just throwing a little shade at Marcus Saul because I like this for him being, you know, holding his star player accountable, especially, you know, now that we got Kristaps Porzingis in there as the big Knicks, Knicks star. I like how how David Fisdale works here. I think that he's going to be 
I like how he holds the players accountable. Obviously, we got to see how it ends up going with the Knicks because it could go south really quick knowing their history. But I, I like David Fisdale. Don't, don't you like what he did here with Marcus Saul holding him accountable like that? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like Marcus Saul, though, so I, I can't, I can't, you can't know, throw, hate on him. Can't throw too much shade at him. Yeah, Dave Fisdale's also one of those guys that thinks he's, he's like, I don't know, pretty, like, he thinks he's, he's a good coach. We'll see. I mean, he really didn't have a chance in Memphis, but, you know, in New York, holy, I, don't, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't know how the ownership is going to handle it, how he's going to handle free agency and all that, his team. But, I mean, the Knicks, I look at the roster, and I don't think they're terrible. I don't think they're outstandingly good, though. So they'll be middle of the pack. Hopefully, Fizdale could draw some attention because apparently he's got um, – connections with stars i guess people like him around the league he is very respectable lebron so, james apparently but that's not gonna yeah, happen yeah lebron well, well forget about lebron you know there's other guys too that that i guess like um dave fisdale but you well know, respected well, yeah he's well respected around the league i guess amongst the players so you know surprised that marcus soul said that uh well when we said marcus soul should have got traded in trade deadline never did that just shows that, I mean, I don't know why Fisdale, but he wasn't there at the deadline, so it doesn't make sense what I'm saying right now. But, yeah, Marcus Sosa probably should have got traded. Um, Memphis sucks. The Knicks also suck. So we'll see what Dave Fisdale could do. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's it's going to be it's gonna be a very long process for the New York Knicks. So just uh, I thought it was just a fun piece of news, and I think it's a – it's it's nice to have a guy with this kind of character. I think he'll he'll have a strong backbone for the New York media, especially as we knew how he uh, how he dropped that um, that line in that press conference. Take that for data. Uh, take that for data. So that that was a that was a fun one. So we know his personality, and it may fit well with the New York Knicks fans and uh, New York in general. Becky yep. Hammond. Will interview. I think she already interviewed for the Bucks job. Bucks had another like kind of like the Knicks search where they got ten or ten to fifteen candidates to interview. So I think that it's a really cool news to have Becky Hammond, a woman interviewing for an NBA job, could possibly be the first woman head coach. You know, not sure how the players would receive it, but it looks like how she was a coach in San Antonio that she was pretty well respected being along with Popovich. So maybe it could work out for her and make some history being the Bucks head coach. If I had to guess, I'm going to lean towards saying probably not. It's not going to happen, but you don't know. It could could surprise some people, and she could end up being the head coach for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not familiar with who else they interviewed, but we'll see. Um, you know, it'd be it'd be a historic moment if she became the head coach. She's already made waves, um, you know, in the history books. But we'll wait and see if she gets the job. I mean, is this is she getting an interview because she's part of the Spurs, or is she getting an interview because you know she's? Uh, I mean, I think she's well respected around the NBA. Anyway, oh yeah, so absolutely. That, there's no no question about that. But you know, good to see her get the interview, get a chance for the job. And we'll see, we'll have to wait and see what the Bucks do. But I do think the Bucks need someone um, someone really good that Giannis likes because. Mm-hmm. Apparently, um, Giannis loved Jason Kidd, and they got rid of him. So, so uh, yeah, you know, we'll you to, want to keep your star players happy. Yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But it, it seems like a lot of people around the NBA love to interview the San Antonio uh, assistant coaches. A lot of them have, have become head coaches like Budenholzer and I believe Dan Snyder for the Jazz yeah. were yep. assistants. So 
there it's just once again them interviewing all the San Antonio coaches and Becky Hammond is a part of that staff so we'll have to see what ends up happening Paul George underwent knee surgery and will rest for six to eight weeks so he's going to be sidelined from basketball activities for a while I'm sure he'll do some workouts or what have you throughout the summer and then yeah and then some just mind-boggling news from my point of view I just don't see why they would end up Thinking of this, Indiana GM Kevin Pritchard said they will consider him as a free agent, but it will depend on the fit. Now, even though he says it depends on the fit, I would hate this for them to even entertain bringing back Paul George because you've already had Victor Oladipo just blossom into what looks like to be the star of the future for Indiana. Now, I think if you bring back in Paul George to the Pacers, it's just going to clash, man. I don't like this. The, even thinking of the idea of bringing him back, it's like you it's moved on. News. It's, I, I think it is, but it's coming directly from Pritchard saying that they will consider him. You know? Yeah, but you got they can consider all they want. But Paul George is a free agent. He has to want to go back to Indiana, which he doesn't. He doesn't want to be in a small market team. The only team that I can see him considering is Philadelphia, Miami, Boston, if they could possibly work something out, and L.A. Like, he, he wants to go for staying in Oklahoma City. He's not going to Indiana Pacers. So this is a ridiculous statement by Kevin Pritchard. Um, and at the bottom line, the the um, Pacers will not get Paul George. I could probably say that. I'm probably 100% sure they will not get Paul George. So do you think that uh, there's any chance of him returning to Oklahoma City? Um, I would say there is a chance. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he returned, but, but I think he's 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 halfway out the door. That's what I yeah. think. I think he's out. I he, think he's either going to go to Philly or L.A. Even though him and uh, him and Russell Westbrook were playing paintball together, there was a video of him or a picture of him doing uh, building a crib for his daughter in the uh, in the new L.A. home. So I think I, I agree. I think he's kind of already halfway out the door and kind of moving on to look for I think LA is the favorite at this point just because I think he's got that kind of mentality that he he's wants from to go there too. yeah he wants to go to LA he wants to be in uh be in la la land play for play for the lake show play for showtime so I think I think that's just kind of his mindset right now and where he's gonna end up end up going possibly Moving on to our last free throw, we got the NBA draft lottery on Tuesday. It is almost draft season once again. We had the NFL yep. draft a little while ago. So now it's NBA draft time, the lottery. This is going to be extremely exciting. Who do you think is going to get yeah, the well, first pick? Well, I mean, it's all it's day, all up to the ping pong balls. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I don't know. Is there the new regulations that he implemented or no? Yeah. Um, um, Adam Silver. I'm not. I'm not quite what, sure. What regulations? What regulations? I don't know. I thought he was doing something new to limit the, the tanking. But in my opinion, I still think that the NBA lottery is rigged. I will always think <laughs> that in the back of my head because the Nets went 12 and 70 and did not receive the number one overall pick. Instead, we got the third pick and we got Derek Favors instead of um, John Wall. So in my mind, I think it's rigged. I think the Bulls will somehow. Bulls Cleveland will somehow get into the top three, and um, yeah. really, you're gonna say the oh my god, will that force yeah, LeBron to stay? I, oh well, I think regardless, I think you know he'll be interested. Well, it's such a deep draft that I, I, even at like seven, you could get you could possibly get a superstar. But you know, Phoenix has number one odds. 
I hope Phoenix gets the number one, in my opinion, because they suck. And I'd love to see eight. Oh, I'd love to see Aiden stay in Arizona. Actually, that'd be interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm I, I'm looking at the percentages. We got Phoenix at 25. We got Memphis at 19.9. Dallas at 12.9. Atlanta at 12.8. Orlando at 10.7. Sacramento at 6.2. Bulls at four. Your Brooklyn Nets pick gone to the Cleveland Cavaliers for 2.5%, and then the New York Knicks at 2.5%, man. I'm praying for that to move up. They're at 8.8% to move up to the top three. I'm I'm praying for two for next uh, Tuesday to end up having my New York Knicks in the top three. Probably not going to happen. If anything, they're going to probably move down like they did last year. I think they were... Like by record, they were at like the sixth or seventh, and they ended up picking eighth and got well, the Frenchman, you, uh... Frank Nielakina, that ended up. Hey, hey, he's not bad. Hey, man, we could have had Donovan Mitchell or, or Dennis Smith. At least Dennis Smith. I don't want to say the Donovan Mitchell because he fell back so far and no one really kind of thought and he kind of came on the scene. But Don- Dennis Smith Jr. was a swing and a miss for the Knicks. Or like they, they, they should have taken. Dennis Smith was the logical pick. I'm just going to say that. Yeah, well, it, you know, it would be great. It would be fun to see what Cleveland does, what some of these other teams do. I mean, Clippers have two picks in the top 14. Um, you know, we'll wait and see. you got to see what Luka Doncic could do, too. He's from uh, from Spain. He's going to be an interesting it's draft season. we got the we got um, the combine coming up soon. LiAngelo Ball's in there, too. You know, we have a lot of people testing the waters that might implement that might affect the um, NCAA next year. You know, it's a fun time. Fun time. You got playoff basketball too, and uh, let's leave it on that note, Rob. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be really fun heading into especially draft season and obviously the conference finals start. The Celtics and Cavs play on Sunday, and then the Warriors and Rockets play on Monday, I believe. So it's gonna be a real fun conference finals couple weeks, and then. Uh, Heading into the draft, it's going to be really fun. So that is it for this episode of the Talking Troops podcast, episode number 31 with Robert Schlatter and Nick Paravalos. Please go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, and our YouTube stream on our YouTube channel. Go ahead and subscribe on that. Follow us at Talking True Hoops on Twitter and Instagram. For all up-to-date news on the NBA, we'll be talking about the conference finals and the and obviously the draft lottery that's coming up. So for Nick Parabolos and Robert Schlatter, we will catch you next week. You've been listening to the Talking Through Hoops podcast with Robert Schlatter and Nick Parabolos, your best stop for nonstop NBA postseason talk and all things basketball. Be sure to subscribe and follow our social media at Talking Through Hoops. Join us next week for more great hoops discussion.